Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsok for another edition of Four Center, the big show, the main show, the superstar destroyer of our fleet, the hammerhead corvette of our frontal assault on Scarif. This is where we get together, talk news, talk Star Wars in general, and get to answer your questions. It's all here, and with me, as always, is Joseph Scrimshaw and Jennifer Landa. Hello, I'm ready to ram a hammerhead Corvette into something. <laughs> I have an idea. Bring up a hammerhead Corvette. Let's go to Vegas. You guys do such good impersonations. I gotta work no, on no, mine. No, 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 Jennifer. 
You do great ones, Tom. Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Jennifer's here in a lunch T-shirt. I'm staring at, at hot dogs, pizza, french fries, and hamburgers on your shirt. And I'm a, a little box. hungry. And a juice box. And a pretzel. It is Ooh, making me box. want to have like a, a break at kindergarten for snacks. It makes me want fruit roll-ups, that shirt. Oh, fruit by the foot. This is, uh, um, uh, this is why we're going to have to be, we are, but we're going to start doing Facebook Live stuff on the, Je- on the, on the Jedi Alliance, on the Force Center. Facebook page because I want people to see the shirts Jennifer wears. Yeah. That you wear as well. Oh, well I got up my shirt game. Yeah, you well, went on for one. You're thing. a mysterious man in black. I've never seen you in the two years I've known you in anything but black on black, which is great. Yeah, yeah. It's easy for long. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, Jennifer, glad yes. to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, you uh, you were on assignment uh, last uh, last week, but uh, Mike Black stepped in quite well. The always hilarious Mike. Black. Absolutely, but we're glad to have you back, guys. Uh, we always like to start. Uh, talking about news. Some of this news might be uh, slightly older, some of it more breaking, but we like to get together as a force in a crew and have a chance to discuss it and give our takes uh, where maybe we don't get the opportunity elsewhere or on our own. So, Jennifer, you are back. That means you get to lead us through the Star Wars news. Yes. So a couple episodes ago, we talked about how we would feel if Lucasfilm digitally recreated Carrie Fisher as Leia in episode nine. So, I mean, I don't know how much traction that rumor was getting. It just seemed Mm. like it was kind of amongst the fans. Maybe, I don't remember if a website talked about it more. But anyways, Lucasfilm put out a statement, which they don't normally do, addressing that rumor. And they said that they have no plans to digitally recreate Carrie Fisher's performance as Princess or General Leia Organa. Quote, Carrie Fisher was, is, and always will be a part of the Lucasfilm family. She was our princess, our general, and more importantly, our friend. We are still hurting from her loss. We cherish her memory and legacy as Princess Leia, and we will always strive to honor everything she gave to Star Wars. That was really incredible. Because, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, we, we talk about the business of Star Wars, but ultimately she was their friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was such a huge part of this franchise, the heart of Star Wars. And so, like, kind of talking, it did feel a little weird talking about it. Yeah. You know? There was yeah. a little part of me that felt a little, not callous, but... It's a tough, tough subject, and, yeah. and uh, I want to get your take specifically, Joseph, on Lucasfilm feeling the need to respond. Yeah, mm-hmm. that I think is amazing. I mean, the, the what they said is great in human, but the fact that they commented on it feels even more this, like, merger of a corporation and human yes. mm-hmm. to be able to say, not only are we not doing this, but uh, we think it's important that you know and that we are breaking this very, very mm-hmm. thin line in responding to fans, you right. know, yes. we all spend a lot of time not only on this podcast, but in every second of our life, any yeah. time we're near a camera or a microphone <laughs> saying, but Lucasfilm, what about? So for them to go, this one is important enough, mm-hmm. it yeah. really feels like the the parent coming into the room and saying no. Yes. In a, in a very positive way. Of course. Um yeah. yeah, I take it as positive, and I did speak on this a little bit in Spotlight Star Wars, which is, well, I want to really uh, hear what you guys are saying. But yeah, it it, it is, uh, you know, there were some websites that, in this in this scoop of salt, uh, mm-hmm. rumor mill kind of business that's sprung up in the last couple of years, which, again, I think is entirely different than, than us talking about, yeah. hey, should they CGI? That's a discussion sure. point from fans. Uh, we're not reporting. Lucasfilm is negotiating with her estate. Exactly. Um, I think that's where I'm glad for myself and glad that Lucasfilm kind of stood up to this in a way. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we all feel that way where it's like, 
Hold on. <laughs> Hold on, rumor boys. Yeah, yeah. You can let the rumors swirl, but yeah. this one is not for right. tabloid gossip. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm sure you come down on the same side, Jennifer, of, like, uh, it's con- the, the, the debate of still being CGI or not, uh, clearly it's not. But, like, all right, you could we discuss that. And, and there's an interesting thing. If I want to get your thoughts, Jennifer, but there's an interesting thing here, Joseph. It leaves open... There's there's a there's a big between the lines that they're not saying here. Yes, there is. Which it's, is the recasting. Which, but Jennifer, this overall, uh, how, where where are your thoughts on uh, again Lucasfilm saying having to say it? I'm glad. Yeah. I'm. It made me feel comforted. Like yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I, I sometimes get kind of thrown around with these rumors. I'm like, oh god, are they really doing that? And right. like you said, it's the parent coming in and saying, okay, guys. Stop playing around. You know, you're, someone's <laughs> yeah. going to get hurt here. Thank you, parent Lucasfilm. Yeah. Because I did not like that image of them. It just felt weird that they yeah. would recreate her. And yeah. I, you know? yeah it, it also feels like a little bit of showing that they still can put stuff back in Pandora's box when they open it. And mm-hmm. I feel like they opened Pandora's box with Tarkin and yes. Leia herself yeah. in Rogue One. And I right. think that's what gave such power to these rumors of like, well, they feel uh, bold enough now that they can just do anything with computers. Right. So it is interesting from that perspective for them to say like, nope, just because we did something once doesn't mean we're always going to do it. Yeah, right. it's a pretty powerful technology. I mean, especially like from an actor's standpoint, right. you could live on forever. If they want to recreate you, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of creepy. It's power. It's unlimited power, (laughs) as it were. But again, might be by pro pro wrestling uh, uh, mindset, Joseph, (laughs) where uh, everything's kind of a work. They definitely don't say that the character won't come back Mm. in some kind of They definitely don't say that. I feel like they limited the conversation to, okay, now this is going from... uh, I don't know, several options to three-ish. Right. Mm. Because now you're getting into either the character, they rework the end of episode eight, Mm -hmm. the character passes away off screen. Right. Or you're getting, maybe you get like not a digital recreation, but, you know, a stand-in, you know? Right. You get a chiropractor like in Plan (laughs) 9 from Outer Space. (laughs) Uh, No disrespect, man. Uh, Yeah. To anyone, including Plan 9 from Outer Space. Um, but I feel like the biggest lead is like, yeah, we're, we're opening the door to recasting. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, have you guys thought at all uh, anymore, I should say, about who would who would take that mantle? Who would dare take that mantle? Yeah. Yeah? You have. I Yeah. I have a weird answer, but I want to hear Ooh. yours. I, well, mine has been floated before, and uh-huh. it was like, that's weird. But uh-huh. then it all locked into place yeah. amid a uh, celebration. Yeah. Amid political turmoil, yeah, I would be fine if the overrated Meryl Streep, <laughs> the allegedly <laughs> yes. overrated Meryl Streep, overrated. Yeah, so th- her Golden Globes speech, uh, you know, I, I, I don't have any need to get into the political discussion yeah. of it, but it was it was uh, powerful mm-hmm. and funny and political, which is what the character of Leia is, yeah. divorcing mm-hmm. it from any real world politics. Um, and then that she ended with that Carrie Fisher. Quote, right. And not to conflate again reality in, in Star sure. Wars too much, but just that was a powerful reminder of the legitimate connection between mm-hmm. those characters mm-hmm. uh, or those human beings. Right. Because she has played a version of Carrie Fisher before yes. in Postcards from the Edge. Yeah. Yes. So people have floated that before. And then I was just thinking about like, well, when you're recasting someone as iconic as Princess Leia, General Leia, it's going to be distracting on some level. Mm-hmm. So you could go for, we're going to find a great working theater actor who's right. in her 60s who happens to look a lot like Carrie Fisher and can play mm-hmm. this role amazingly 
or if you already have to deal with the weird that's not mm-hmm. Carrie Fisher, why not go with one of the you know best actors ever who has a strong personal connection connection to it? Mm. Totally buy into that. In my mind, since you you first floated it out there to my soul, yeah, Joseph, <laughs> as, as you often do so well. I'm a soul uh, floater. I've thought about it more, and and I still would lean towards. Um, uh, you know, writing off, I hate saying write it off, but change, the, changing the ending of yeah. eight or, or some kind of off screen death. Maybe nine has her funeral or something sad and yeah. we all cry. But I, I still would lean towards that. But I'm more and more thinking of out of respect to the character. I could understand going that way. For what I am, I am a, a Meryl Streep. You can't go wrong with that. Yeah. Um, I, I, for some reason, think Annette Benning could be an interesting oh, choice. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Have you thought about it, Jennifer? You know, I thought, no, I don't, I don't want Leia <laughs> to continue. But that's just because I'm like... I mean, most people don't. Right. Most people don't. But this Meryl Streep idea, I love. Oh, because awesome. I think that Carrie herself would be like, yeah, get Meryl Streep <laughs> yeah. to play Leia. And yeah, yeah. especially it would kind of come full circle with Postcards from the Edge. And, yeah. and I think that she would approve of that casting. I, I, I think there's that, that choice. I think definitely Carrie would be like, yep. Yeah. Um, or just to carry on a longstanding joke that Carrie herself would make is... Send Carrie out. Bring in Jodie Foster. I think oh, she yeah. said that so many times in interviews about 77, 76, that maybe I think she'd oh, be going, actually, yep, bring that's in perfect. Jodie Foster. That would be amazing. Jodie Foster actually would be another yeah. great choice. Interesting yeah. And I have to say, I think overall, just the way the team has been going and mm-hmm. with this statement from Lucasfilm that I mm-hmm. am having a lot of trust in them handling it yeah. in a way yes. that is respectful to Carrie Fisher and to the character of Leia. And I'm open to, to many different things as a yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and that's, for me, the big thing to take from this first news story is that, yep, they got this. They understand what she and the character mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, speaking more about Carrie Fisher, um, actress Laura Dern told Entertainment Tonight that uh, she's now part of the Star Wars franchise and she's having the time of her life. But she also opened up about um, Carrie Fisher's passing. She said that she doesn't know, quote, how any one of us who didn't play Princess Leia for Halloween or in our Mm -hmm. life, she really had a huge impact on so many fans. And she also spoke about, um, quote, we put a lot of focus currently on what it is to be a female icon, what it is to use your voice, what it is to be comfortable in your own skin. And Carrie Fisher has always been one of the most extraordinary beacons, an original screen icon. Mm-hmm. Um, you could, if you watch the video, you could see her getting not, not overly emotional, but sure. you know, this Carrie Fisher made such a huge impact on so many yeah. people, even, you know, her own peers. Right. And right. that was, um, it's a very delicate situation, I think for all of them. Yeah, yeah, and, if, and this sounds like a joke, but I, I always forget Laura Dern's an eight. So I saw the right. story. I was like, "Oh, that's right, she's yeah. an eight. I, yeah. I don't mean to undercut the story, but yeah, uh, yeah." It's, when, when was it Boyega or Oscar Isaac that put out the Instagram picture of Carrie and Mark laughing on set? Oscar. Yeah, what was it? Wait, I think I it was Oscar. Isaac. I think it was Oscar. Isaac. I think it was. I can't yeah. remember. It just shows uh, uh, what kind of person she she was that uh even through troubled times uh, for a lot of her career um the center of of laughter and the center of of just kind of the it seems like the center of the conversation you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it seems like everyone gravitated yeah. to her personality and took something from her which um i i i hope over the last year carrie had come to understand a little bit of that mm. especially if you read princess diaries it yeah. seems like she might not yeah. um so it isn't just one of those cases of 
a celebrity dies, everyone crawls out of the woodwork to go hashtag RIP, and she was great, she was great. Uh, this seems very, very genuine, the loss that people who just maybe got to experience her for a short time towards the end are, are feeling it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's cool to hear Laura Dern kind of taking uh, the the step of not even paying tribute. I was going to say grieving, but I mean mm-hmm. paying tribute because I think a lot of times when somebody passes, we intend to let it affect us. Mm-hmm. In terms of how can I look at what I gain from their artistry or their personality or their presence and apply it to my own life right. and and honor them in that way. And Laura Dern is kind of in this position to be like, I'm going to be appearing in episode eight. Maybe my screen appearance will have that effect on somebody else watching it. Right. What can I learn from Carrie's experience mm-hmm. and apply it going forward? Mm-hmm. That's a great way of mm-hmm. looking at it. Yeah. That um, really- now, I'm wondering... what. What's Laura Dern in Star Wars? <laughs> yeah, we still I don't mean, know. Don't want to undercut this. Yeah, well, Carrie tribute, but I, that's the thing. Is like, if she, is she just like, hi, general in the background with an opinion that no one agrees with for three minutes, or is she something that lends itself to be iconic? I, I think Laura Dern is an amazing actor. Yeah, I love really her. Yeah. I'm, I'm a huge Twin Peaks yep. fan. I'm thrilled she's coming back to Twin Peaks. It's going to be Laura Dern Central next yep. year, uh, yep. next couple of years. Um, but it's it's funny to think, like, no matter how good an actor is, unless they have a role that lends itself to being a little mm-hmm. iconic in fist pumping, yeah. there's nothing yeah. they can do with it. So is she going to be another background character that we don't get much out of? Oh, yeah. Or is she going to have not. three minutes on screen that sing? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Ooh, that's... Yeah, interesting. I yeah. mean, I would love for her to have at least one meaty scene, maybe between her and General Leia. That would be mm-hmm, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe she's an antagonist to General Leia. Maybe she's a friend, an ally. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But gosh, I think of Jame, uh, Dame Judi Dench and what she did with just one scene. Yeah. So, you know, as long as the scene is meaty, there's something to it. Yeah. I'll be happy. Yeah, that's my one... Thing coming out of seven is we've talked before about some of those names that got cast or thrown around. And again, I go to the actor who played Sir Pharrell in Game of Thrones. It's like, ha ha, he's just <laughs> drinking in Mads Kanata's castle. So I think Laura, <laughs> yeah. Laura Dern will carry more weight than yeah. that. But yeah, I would, I would consider it a missed opportunity if she's on the balcony in some political speech um, <laughs> sitting there in a row. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she just pounds her fist gently on the stone <laughs> railing. The bail organa. Yep. <laughs> oh, no. yeah. Memorial fist pump. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, that's not... Uh, well. simply, it's simply because the story needs someone uh, with, with her kind of uh, weight as an actress. I, I, I do yeah. like her as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, interesting side note to that story. Carrie definitely affected people, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's move on to the music, shall we? The music of Rogue One. There was music in Rogue One? Yes, there was. Said a lot of people. (laughs) There were certainly symbols. (laughs) There were a lot of symbols. Yeah, we talked about it more uh, a couple episodes ago, right? Uh Yeah, we did. did. Well, we're going to talk about it it. even more because it has been discovered that Rogue One composer Michael Giacchino hid the Imperial March in his song, Hope. Someone on Reddit found that if you double the speed, <laughs> Sorry. Like, I know, right? as soon as you start, someone on Reddit found. I'm like, all right, all right I'm gonna, right. I'm gonna question this a little bit. But. No, no, this is this is not an alternative fact. This is true. <laughs> someone found that Period. if you uh, <laughs> double the speed of the song Hope, you can oh, actually hear the dun 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 dun. Yeah, dun, dun, you know, it's things like this that cause the verve to have to give every cent of bitter 
Bittersweet Symphony to the Rolling Stones. When you just put things in the background and you have to speed it up. Oh, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, I didn't, I would have never heard that. You yeah. know, and, and I studied music for 15 uh-huh. years of my life and I would have never, I didn't hear it. But uh-huh. uh, if, but I'm impressed that this Star Wars fan found that and yeah. they actually layered it and you can hear it very mm-hmm. clearly. I slowed down the Jetta theme and it does say Paul McCartney is dead. Yep. <laughs> miss so. him, miss him, miss him. Yeah. yeah but did uh, you guys, uh, was that a stretch or? No, no, I, I, I made no. my Reddit jokes, but I listened to this, and it's it's funny, it, it, mm-hmm. and it's clear. It's it's there, obviously. It's um, Easter egg. And it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a great find, and it's cool. It, it makes sense. There's a little bit of sort of thematic uh, cognitive dissonance, and that's the Hope song <laughs> that secretly has, like, well, you shouldn't be hoping that much. Here's your hope. Yeah. Right. Um Big um for me. Um, really? No, I've grown. I, I have the soundtrack. I've purchased the soundtrack. It pops me up a lot on the time. A lot of times when I'm writing, and, and I'm fine with it. Fine with it. I, I think there were some missed opportunities in the movie. Uh, this uh, excellent composer had four weeks to do it. We've discussed it in full. Um, but the great show Star Wars Oxygen on Rebel Force Radio dives into this with David Collins, uh, my good friend Mark Riley, one of a frequent guests here in Force Center. Just loves the show and loves what it talks about about the Rogue One score. And is like, nope, nope, stuff is there. Mm-hmm. There's little themes hidden throughout and I, I like it and the story is cool um, and I get you needed to separate from Williams I just I I would have wanted the Imperial March to bash me over the head in some of this stuff okay mm. I would have had no problems with that um, I don't think Williams would have had a problem I don't think Star Wars fans would have had a problem with it but I, I respect what they had to do uh, and what they felt they needed to do to separate it um, and I think they did a good job. I do like the score. Um, but when I hear this stuff where it's like it's it's buried, you have to speed it up. Um, <laughs> I take that as an, a secret homage, an Easter yeah. egg. Mm. I would have rather just known. Mm. Hey, that's the Imperial March. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. on like some deep level, uh, it, it's a part of the things that if you're listening to it and those of us who did feel like, oh, this is appropriate to Star Wars. Maybe that it's just with this tiny little subliminal thing, yeah. that the way our ears are trained to hear when like a melody resolves, that maybe if you're a Star Wars fan who've heard that a million times, it does just sort of Easter egg you mm-hmm. and it makes you <laughs> makes you like it uh, more. But yeah, I, I also just don't think that the the judgment of what makes a Star Wars score good is how many of the other scores it interpolates. Mm. Yeah. Is not for me where the bar is. Okay. Like I want it to sound like it is a part of the soundscape that John Williams created and right. then I want it to do create new things like that Jetta theme that I like so much. Yeah. Mm. You know, and I, I, I personally don't care if something is buried in there mm-hmm. unless it is doing good subliminal work that actually works on us. Works on. Mm. Yeah. I really, I really like that song, Hope. It's actually my favorite song from the soundtrack. And mm-hmm. I want to give a shout out to Four Center listener Russ at our Turk 22, who actually recommended to us to go back after the episode. He was mm-hmm. like, go back and listen to Hope. And there was yeah. another song. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did. And I'm like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. this is it. So I loved the song already. And then knowing that the Imperial March is buried in there, too, it's a nice little I nod. Like even more. Yeah, yeah, sure. But I love the song. Well, I'm going to be the grump that's going to go back and listen to Duel of the Fates over and over and over again. <laughs> What's hidden in there? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, speaking of Easter eggs, Leland Chi, Pablo Hidalgo, and Matt Martin of the Lucasfilm Story Group shared some secrets and production details from Rogue One, a Star Wars story. They talked um, on this, I believe it was a Star Wars show. It was like mm-hmm. a special, a 24-minute special. And they talked about everything from, you know, how Matt Martin got to operate Chopper mm-hmm. oh, nice. on the set of Rogue One uh, for the big cameo. And he said, you know, that he showed up on set and the, the droid builders were like, oh, here, 
you know, you know how to operate him, handed mm-hmm. him the controls, and he's like, ugh. And he was really <laughs> terrified to have mm-hmm. to navigate Chopper through all the extras and the transport vehicle. But it would have been appropriate, though, if Chopper had just run him over. <laughs> that right. would have been in character for Chopper. <laughs> totally, yeah, yeah. How could he, how could he go wrong? Uh, yeah. One of the things I thought was really fun was Leland talked about, Leland Chi talked about how um, they would often get consulted about dialogue. You know, can you add mm-hmm. some background chatter? Uh, right. So there was one scene um, in the Saw scene with the Partisans where they're playing an analog version of Dejeric, mm-hmm. and uh, Leland decided that it might be appropriate if they shouted the name of one of the creatures mm-hmm. that they're playing with. Oh, nice. So they shout, Hujix. Wait, did I pronounce that right? Hujix. Yeah, I think yeah, that's right? how they said I think it. That's Close how enough. It. Yeah, <laughs> but apparently it's so obscure of a reference that no one has talked about it. Okay. And Leland was a little disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I, I I knew that they shouted something, but yeah. I didn't know. I feel like not a lot of people even know Dejeric. Right. Most, a lot of people call it hollow chess. Hollow chess. Sure, sure. Dejeric only, I mean, last couple of years floated into my brain and stuck. I only know the name it because yeah. of the Chewbacca action figure that was, uh, you know, in the mm-hmm. early 2000s where it was Chewbacca, Dejeric challenge. And it, right. he's posed around the little chest with his arms up over right. his head. Right, yeah. Mm. It's it's one of those little obscure West End card game type yeah. of Star Wars facts. That, <laughs> right. Yeah, Hollow Chess is what I grew up calling it. Yeah, me or, too. Or that game. <laughs> the thing where they play on the, the Falcon? Game. The know? Falcon game? Yeah, with the uh, robot arms rip out. I think it's called Falconry. Oh, man. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so there was a really fascinating interview with them. I mean, they revealed a lot. It's a great interview. Highly recommend it. Yeah, I, I, I understand how from their perspective they are hearing from so many fans. And we talked mm-hmm. about this a, a, a little bit that there's so much knowledge at this point that even those of us who spend a ton of time on this become experts in our little fields, mm-hmm. but they're hearing from everyone. So I, if they hear three times a day about all of the beasts in yeah. hollow chest, then I wonder if it starts to get into their brain of like, they all know everything and they're all coming for us all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely seems on Twitter that they have this kind yeah. of, they're coming for us. <laughs> the barbarians are at the gate. Um, fascinating interview too. Yeah, I sat down to kind of poke through it mm-hmm. uh, and I watched the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like the, the, st- the, the at the 22 minute mark or almost the 23 minute mark, they, they talk about Galen Urso uh, and not, uh, you know, like I said, not being the one who built the exhaust port. Right. But, Set up a system where hey you hit the chain you hit the reactor it's going to cause a chain reaction and and that's one thing I say when I heard some criticisms of Rogue One um, I never saw, never once thought that he built that little hole right <laughs> no I I yeah. couldn't tell uh, if yeah. he was using different words to describe the yeah. same problem or if yeah. the thermal exhaust port was supposed to just be like oh here is how we access the problem right because in his mind it was like sneak on to the base get into the reactor room. Right. Shoot at it, and then it'll blow up. Blow up. And, yeah, this is also, it's also, like, just in direct contrast with the Rogue One novel. Yes, though, because the Rogue One, they do talk about thermal exhaust port, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's some messages that go back and forth. Yeah. So you're right. Yeah, we're going to be talking more about the Rogue One mm-hmm. novel, so I'll mm-hmm. keep it really short. But spoiler uh, alert if somebody is reading it and doesn't want this. But, yeah, they have that fun thing where you see some communiques between both the Rebellion and the Empire. And right. there's this back and forth that shows Galen being shifty about how he's going to get his flaw in there. Right. And he offers all of these options yeah. and manipulates everybody in the Empire to saying, sure, a thermal exhaust port, that's fine. Yeah. Which really implies that that's where he is 
laid his trap. Yeah. Not what he says in the movie. And apparently, I no. haven't got a chance to watch this Star Wars story, not what they're right, saying. Right, right, right. And, and and I think Pablo himself is the leader of the, the movie, outranks anything. Yeah. That there's still levels of canon, even though they say there's not. Um, yeah. That there's still some kind of, if it's... With the, so, yeah, that's interesting. As we're talking about it, I'm suddenly remembering, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. It's interesting. But I never, I never thought coming out of the movie that Galen did that. So I don't think it undercuts New Hope or the planning from Jan Dodonna and his team in New Hope. But that's an interesting little, interesting little fact there. Yeah, it I d- didn't get a chance to ask this so, or, or to watch this. So let me ask you guys. It, were they saying that the story then is that Galen created a, an unstable reactor, mm-hmm. yes, and then that the rebellion found the way to access it through the thermal exhaust port. That's what I took from it. Okay, yes. yeah, yeah. yes, uh huh, yes. But that, the, but that novel sure does make it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the no, I think they've just said the novels aren't canon. Yeah, because there's some yeah. stuff in both the Force Awakens and the Rogue One novelizations like that's not what happened on screen. Right. So well, I can't yeah. really trust the stuff that Uncle they're Plot getting his arm ripped off being a good, yeah. good point. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. Big, hmm. Well, now Big more hash, hashtag hmm. Oh. But the interview is uh, is great, and um, and one of my favorite parts there is uh, you know, talk about the Hammerhead Corvettes and how it ties to Rebels oh, nice. and Chopper tying to Rebels, and they're very excited. The Ghost, the Ghost having the section for the Phantom empty. Um, a lot of cool things Ooh. about escape pods on the Hammerhead Corvette, whether or not the crew survived, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right. Um, but there's a fun little moment where there's a ship in Return of the Jedi. Oh. Yeah. Um, uh, you would appreciate this, Joseph. Yeah. That even Pablo struggles to name because it it, <laughs> it, it, it was the story goes that it was designed and Joe Johnston didn't like it. Oh, okay. But it shows up in Jedi. I couldn't even right now pick it out of a, pick a Jedi. Is this yeah. a Dornian yes. ship? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That is it. Yes. Uh, you have a job in Lucasfilm waiting for you. <laughs> wow. But it appears in the jump takes, it's in Radis's fleet jumping out of hyperspace. Yeah. And then Pablo just kind of throws in, oh, it'll show up again in Rebels. Oh, nice. Yeah, and that's actually uh, kind of where they had been planning to use it, and they designed it, and they decided to throw it in the movie. So it'll tie in. And that's kind of interesting to me as, as Rebels races towards the events of Rogue One. Uh, the fact that we hear that thing of, I don't know, maybe we'll show the Battle of Scarif for the Rebels, uh, Star Wars Rebels yeah. point of view. Mm-hmm. If that ship shows up in some way, who's on that ship and what about it and all that good stuff. It, it, that was an interesting moment. Yeah, that's really, it is overall just fun and exciting to know that they are, they're making this connective tissue happen. Yeah. So it's yes. not just lip service from a corporation. Right. That there are fans who have a professional job to make sure that all of these fun little continuity moments actually work. Yeah. It's and that's what stuff. I loved too was really seeing the chemistry between the three of them, and they're yeah. just they were having fun, they're laughing, and they know obviously a ton of everything yeah. to know there is. Yeah. I mean, everything to know about Star Wars. It was really it was really neat to watch. Well, highly recommend watching it. Yeah. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Yeah. Let's move on to episode eight. Let's the future. Ooh. Episode eight, director uh Ryan Johnson spoke with USA Today and revealed. Nothing. Um, <laughs> no, actually, he did, he did share a few things. Uh, as My favorite kind of magician. Just <laughs> all gestures, no magic. They're really good at this. They, mm-hmm. They've got this down. Uh, but he did reveal some things, like that episode eight is going to be a blast, and it's going to be funny, and it's going to be mm-hmm. uh, kind of ride the way that The Force Awakens did mm-hmm. and the other Star Wars movies were, the originals. Mm-hmm. Um, he also said that we'll get to know more about the characters by throwing them into difficult and challenging situations. Right. And seeing how they handle it. Um, the film will also start exploring the relationship between Rey and Luke Skywalker and Ooh. digging into familial 
seems. Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then he also said that Luke is the, quote, emotional entry point for episode eight. And that lastly, mm. the film does have a title. In fact, the title uh, came from the very first draft that he wrote. But we'll mm. have to wait. Mm. That is really cool. Yeah. A lot, right? He actually yeah. revealed a lot. He yeah. revealed a lot. Revealed a lot. Uh, revealed that a lot is still out there. That that yes. all of our questions are already answered. Yeah. We just have to wait patiently. The thing that is cool to me is if you uh, remove the reference to Ray, mm-hmm. almost everything that you just said could have been said in 1979 about the Empire Strikes Back right. and Ooh. be exactly true. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. About, yeah. oh, don't worry, it's going to be funny and wry. We're going to yeah. put characters in really difficult emotional situations so you see who they are by how they respond. And we're going to get deeper into familial themes. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, to say the least. Yeah. That's wow. Empire Strikes Back. Which uh-huh. I, I, I think there's so much lip service to like the structure of a trilogy and meta jokes about it. Uh, but I think some of them are true for like a really well-constructed Trilogy like this, and it should be without being, being like asteroid fields, ice planet. Right. It right. should be the Empire Strikes Back. Right. It should be the smaller adventure where we learn a lot yeah. about the characters, and they are shocked, and the world changes from what they expected the world to be. That's what it should be, and that's what yeah. I want it to be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I was most intrigued by the fact that he just comes out and says, "Oh, it's gonna, it's gonna be funny, gonna be," because I think we've all been uh, maybe just me uh, in the Star Wars fan community just going like, "This is gonna be a dark." Weird experimental Star Wars. I like that he was like, no, no, it's a Star Wars picture. Yeah. yeah. We're going to have some fun. It's going right. to be an adventure. Yeah. I mean, and he is great at that kind of dark humor. He has mm. the, he yeah. directed some of the final episodes of Breaking Bad, some right. of the most brutal. Mm-hmm. And there's like dark, funny stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Or just funny stuff that's going on in the background in a wry way mm. while something horrible is happening. <laughs> and you can enjoy it on both levels. Both levels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have full faith in Ryan Johnson as the director of this project yeah. uh, from, from the beginning. And I'm someone who's not overly familiar with his work. Um, but just in hearing it and some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that I've already heard, it just um, just seems like they picked the right man for this number two yeah. trilogy, part of, the, part of the new trilogy. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm really excited, too, because I think, I mean, in no shade to Rogue One, mm-hmm. but one of the things that I really wanted was oh. to learn more about these characters. Jennifer so, dropping shade. I know. <laughs> but I, So the, for me, that was the most exciting thing, is that we're really going to get to know yeah. these characters even more. And I love I mean, mm-hmm. Ray, Finn, mm-hmm. Poe. Give, give it to me. I can't can't wait. I can't wait. I still think there's a chance you're going to get to know uh, Cassian and Jin more. I still think there is. Yeah. I still think so. In episode eight? (laughs) In episode eight. (laughs) Flashbacks. Um, In other movies. In other movies. I think that Han Solo movie could be interesting. I think Mm -hmm. there's a chance uh, Cassian shows up in in Rebels. I've started to see that float around. Oh, yeah, yeah. Why not? That could work, too. Yeah. Absolutely could. Yeah. if, If Han Solo explodes to a trilogy... Yeah, yeah, Han Solo teaming up with Cassian mm-hmm. Andor. Could be. Ooh, I like that. Bitter, angry, do anything Cassian Andor. <laughs> Cassian needing given, to. Re- uh, given, trying to recruit him into the rebellion. Yeah, yeah. 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 Seeing uh, something, you know, seeing Han go, whoa, I don't want to, look at that guy. I don't want to hang out with this guy. Right, look right. him. Good. Hates the whole rebellion. I'm just saying this to comfort you, Jennifer, that those characters might still exist in okay. some way. <laughs> All right. Because All right. we'll definitely get to spend time with them in eight. Good. Um, so uh, that is, is that is our that's our news discussion for today, right? But we're going to yes, talk here is. about this final uh, little note, um, which is not so much a news news thing, but I think we all it's not a full book review, but we've all completed the Princess Diaries now, right? Yeah, yes. check, 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 mm-hmm. and check for me. I think I was the last one to read it. Unfortunately, I uh, couldn't get it uh, in my hands till after her her passing. But uh, um, uh, thoughts, enjoy it. 
that seems like an easy answer. Yeah, I, I, I think for me, I think we were all on like, we should uh, talk about this a little bit. Because I, I, yeah. mean, I talked about it a little bit because I, I mm-hmm. think, and Jennifer, you did too, right? Because mm-hmm. I think we had both finished it when we did our episode uh, mm-hmm. celebrating Carrie Fisher. But it does hold a weird place in sort of Star Wars fandom because it is both a personal memoir of Carrie Fisher, but it touches on Star Wars so much. Mm-hmm. And it felt like we should talk about it because it is in some ways a Star Wars book. Right. And that was your main reaction, Ken, right? That you kind of expected a Star Wars book and it was more... Yeah, yeah. I mean, only because, hey, it's 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 painted as it's the diaries from Carrie Fisher while she was shooting Star Wars. Yeah. So my immediate thought is... Day 12, came on set, um, held blaster for first time, and obviously the book is is much more than that. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot less of the actual making of A New Hope, mm-hmm. and there's some stuff about the fans and fandom and, and some weird, weird things where she kind of, you know... Uh, not makes fun of, but just like tells tells you what it is to be on the other side of that autograph table. But yep. then says that oh, it's okay, but isn't this weird? Which I understand completely. Yeah. So um, my in reading it, I loved the first couple chapters, and then she goes right into the Harrison Ford stuff, and it seems to be really a book about a nineteen year old uh, young woman getting caught up in something she didn't understand and having to process and work through it. And so I loved it. I pulled quotes from it. I underlined some things because she's. Her words spoke to me on some of the stuff, um, but it wasn't what I expected. So it was better than I expected. But I'm still like, oh man, wouldn't that be cool for her to learn about Star Wars stuff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. For me, that it was like a good surprise, and it shouldn't have been a surprise. I know who Carrie Fisher right. is. That she right. is the person who shares everything. Uh, that's her joke, and that's her mm-hmm. truth. And for me to expect like this is what the Dianoga felt like <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't have expected Yo, that. Yeah. I should have expected like here is in my share everything life a huge thing that, that I haven't <laughs> shared it's on my mind for these very obvious reasons that right. our whole culture can see and share in yeah. I'm back here I'm back with this man yeah I got to let this all out and it does feel like a flood yeah, of of thought and emotion, and you know, it's to me, it was so so powerful to read these the poetry of a young woman, right? That I certainly like looked up to, and yeah. and thought like, oh, she is an example of a woman. Oh my God, she's so uh, mm-hmm. exciting and, and attractive and in control. Yeah. And then to have to read a diary that mm-hmm. has all of the insecurities, concerns that I had right. as a young boy while I was looking up to her, it was, like, cool and powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, Yeah, it was a very complicated read for me. I Mm. mean, I got really emotional. Just seeing how how insecure she was and Mm -hmm. how much she wrestled back then, and even now, Mm -hmm. or even uh, recently, that she was still wrestling with this role of being, like, an ambassador to, you know? Yeah. And, um, And as a woman, gosh, she just was so real and honest, and I really, I really appreciate it, because mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I can definitely relate to a lot of what she said. Mm-hmm. But the poetry, it was, it was not tragic, but it was hard to read. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like going back to my teenage years, which I really didn't <laughs> sure. want to revisit. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. But, you know, it was, oof, it was tough, but I appreciated it. I right. appreciated her candor, and that she was, allowed herself to be so vulnerable with us. Yeah. And the whole fan exchange towards the yeah. end of the book, it was a little tough to read because I could see myself in part of that. But I liked that she did that. Right. I liked that she didn't hold back. 
which I wouldn't expect anything less from her. Like you said, yeah, Joseph was like, I should have expected everything in this book, you know. <laughs> um, and and again, having that brief chance to meet her towards uh, towards the end of her life, unfortunately, in August, I certainly didn't gush over in in the ways in those books, but. Andy and I certainly were like, let's get a picture, let's get a picture, let's get a picture. And yeah. I can only think in her head now, oh, God, these two 40-year-old virgins want a picture of me again. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. Um, so there, there was a little like, oh, God, I hope there's nothing in here about moderators at conventions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but, but at the same time, I understand because it, it is a, a fandom a, a, that we will never understand, mm-hmm. the being in the eye of that storm. Uh, it's like being only the, the Beatles understood what it was like to be the Beatles. And, um, you know, Harrison, Mark, and her are the holy trinity of Star Wars characters, really. And uh, to, to, to see her still struggling with that, uh, to also feel weird about making money off of that. Right. Um, and knowing what that sometimes means for the Now, the convention game has changed. Chris yeah. Evans goes um, to his world, and I n- know exactly some of the money he takes home. Um, but uh, And good on him. Yeah. Um, but so it's a different time. But when she started this, it was it was like Blue Ranger and, and Lou Frigno <laughs> and David yeah. Prowse and and the fourth stormtrooper from the left. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Paul Blake. <laughs> yeah. I was Greedo. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So that was interesting for me too. And and uh, uh, yeah, like uh, uncomfortable. And, and yeah. the poetry was was beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Heartbreaking and uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I liked about the whole signing fan thing that I felt like by the end of it, I went through all of my peaks and valleys too, mm-hmm. and did my like, what what could I have possibly said had I got the chance to meet her to make yeah. it? And and I felt like at the end of it, like, well, I think kind of the point is this is an impossible interaction. Yes. Yeah. For both of us on both sides, so let's just do our best. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's there won't be a perfect interaction. This no. is there too won't. weird. And right. I think it's really unique because she has been in the public eye since she was born. So mm-hmm. she's going to have a different perspective than somebody who maybe, you know, had a quote unquote normal childhood and then right. suddenly became a celebrity. So I think that's, that's part of it that she was wrestling with. Like, who, mm-hmm. who am I? Who would I have been had I had, you know, not been in the spotlight if I'd never <clears throat> become Leia? Right. I would have been just mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. I, it's yeah. so fascinating. Did you how did you guys feel and react and 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 deal with the the revelation of the the affair with mm. Harrison Ford? Ooh. It did, was way different than I expected. Do you mm-hmm. I, I, I've seen some not criticism but like some people being a little concerned mm-hmm. with how it was that you know this young girl 19 years old the crew mm-hmm. was supposedly crew, being yeah. kind of like you know creepy with her and right. she's drunk and then Harrison whisks her away and in their minds kind of takes advantage of her right i don't necessarily i know i didn't feel like that i yeah. think you know um I mean, he's freaking Harrison Ford, and like you know, and and she she was obviously attracted to him. I don't know. Sure. Uh, it's a it's a complicated thing. Yeah, very complicated. Uh, yeah, I think it was, it was very very complicated. I think it certainly painted a picture of an era. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like she spends a lot of time talking about how she had decided she was going to have an affair, that she was interested in her own sort of yes. maturation as an mm-hmm. adult, yes. uh, and wanted to have an affair or mm-hmm. a fling. A fling, right? Yeah, didn't mean yeah. to have an affair. But why not a fling? Sure. And this charming, you know, guy's like, well, sure, we're gonna. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, sounds sounds good. Right. Like, yeah, it's, there's definitely some uncomfortable stuff with it. And it, but I feel like it is uh, uh, it is great that she was so honest mm-hmm. about the relationship because right. I think it might help a lot of people who uh, 
really look up to someone. And mm-hmm. some of the passages that she has about, is Harrison being really quiet because I can't possibly be interesting enough for him? Oh, my god! Or is he just not yes. saying anything because he just doesn't have thoughts? And I mm-hmm. have all these interesting thoughts. Like, uh. that level of, beyond the, the sex, the, right. the, that level of interaction and that level of how much you, especially when you're young, how much you give yourself over to someone who on the surface seems amazing. Like, I think this is a powerful book for younger people to read or mm. anybody who's struggling in relationships. Oh, yes. Mm. To just always remember that it might not be the way it looks or feels to you. Yeah. Right. And taking all of the all of the wonderful things that we see in Carrie Fisher and realize she couldn't see them in herself at that age. Mm. Right. And so she got herself into this relationship mm-hmm. that maybe was good, maybe was bad, and qu- question yeah. Yeah, where, where you're at. Yeah, I appreciated the honesty in, in it, and it definitely, look, I think uh, life takes it weird places. Sometimes you find yourself in a spot that you didn't think you would be, and so I, I look at Harrison as a married man and a father having this thing. I don't I don't judge him for it, but at the same time, it's like, all right, he, he's human, and, and uh, there was that one, there was one line about Carrie Fisher saying, hey, you know, I've kept a secret 40 years, but now I figure everyone everyone involved is too tired to, <laughs> to care, and I'm like, uh, did you check? <laughs> Are you sure about that? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the, the adult children might be like, okay, Dad, really? Um, and it definitely seems like Harrison's, uh, in typical Harrison fashion, his response was, uh, lawyer. <laughs> yeah, and if she, it, it, I mean, she said she sent him the manuscript. Right. And it sort of doubles down on the picture she put, she uh, portrays of Harrison Ford of, like, even when you say something really interesting to him, he's just kind of like, ah. Yeah. Like, I sent you a manuscript blowing the doors off this thing that yeah. you might want to talk to your kids about, uh, portraying you in a certain light. Could you get back to me? It's like, ah, no, I'm making a mistake. Like, come on, Harrison. <laughs> Respond. Um, yeah, and I know some some uh, female friends of mine who read the book and, you know, grew up just, you know, carving Harrison's name in, in trees and just loving this guy. And it, it affected them a little bit of seeing mm-hmm. seeing well han solo cheated on his wife and it and it and it was so it's 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 complicated it's the only way i can say it and appreciating the honesty of it because life is life man and things happen and and uh i think that is carrie's strength is saying here is everything little bit she kept for herself i love yeah. that line mm-hmm. she's like man you're not going to get into the fun stuff yeah, yeah. you know yeah. what do we do we, we we had a slumber party and we built forts <laughs> <laughs> like i asked his mom if harrison could come out and play right. great line yeah oh, um uh, yeah, the, yeah. My, my final thought on it mm-hmm. uh because i know we should probably keep yeah. moving um i really appreciated that i i was reading this book mm-hmm. it's incredibly sadly she passed away mm-hmm. and then all of the various responses from her co-stars come right. pouring in and I was so interested, like, what is Harrison Ford going to say? He is right. in the eye of this storm that she yeah. just started around him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Didn't choose to respond. And one of his tributes was, I can't remember exactly the phrasing, but something like amazing emotional bravery. Yeah. And I took it as like maybe a response to this book of like, you are always able to say what yeah. you think and what you feel to the end. Yeah. And I, maybe, maybe that's not. Yeah, maybe I admire that because maybe that's not me. Yeah, interesting. Oh man, well. this, this takes me back. <laughs> I mean, if I could give this book to me as a teenager, I yeah. would have this whole unrequited love. Yeah, man. Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah. I pulled I pulled a poem out of there that's basically the last twenty five years of my romantic life. <laughs> uh, I posted oh. it. Um, Thank you. Anyways, Gary. we highly recommend reading it. Form your own opinions. It is definitely worth the read. It's it's a great book. Uh, how it affects you emotionally might be what is different for you as a listener. So. Obviously, if you haven't, just 
do it. You have to. Yeah. Uh, she is our princess in general to the end. Um, we're going to move on to our, our main topic. Before we do, to set it up, there was a great episode of Star Wars Rebels recently. Yeah. As we start going into the storyline of Sabine, the Mandalorians, the Darksaber, the Trials of the Darksaber was the first episode. Uh, I think there's more in this little arc coming out. Now, Jennifer, I know you haven't had a chance to take on this episode yet. No. Um, uh, it is, without a doubt, I think, the best one of Rebels so far. And that's even, for me, tough with some of the Ahsoka stuff towards the end, mm-hmm. which was the end of last season was spectacular. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things in Star Wars. But, Joseph, I think you and I are on the same page about yeah. this episode. Yeah, the the just slowing down and spending a lot of time on mm. character and yeah. a lot of time on sort of mythos of force and lightsaber use and just getting to know a, a few characters better and being mm-hmm. really kind of locked into an environment in an interesting exotic environment yeah uh, on Adelon there yeah i mean and i don't want to we're not doing a full review here uh because if you haven't seen it i want you to go see it um but um I loved uh, they started to get into the history mm-hmm. uh, of the dark saber and they do almost like a games game of Thrones. If you ever watch the histories and lore videos that are on the blu-rays, the special features where they're animated kind of histories of each house when, uh, when uh, Fen Ross starts talking about the history of the dark saber and starts going into Ta- Tar Vizsla, the first Mandalorian Jedi, it goes into this weird little animation sequence. Yeah. That was just awesome. Oh. The approach they use for deathly hallows in oh, to illustrate yeah. the actual story of the Deathly Hallows yep. in the Harry Potter movies. Too. Yeah. Oh, wow. Good call. Good pull. Let's get some butter beer later. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, what I liked about that little moment, if you haven't seen the episode yet, go, go, go look at it. It is, it is really old Republic stuff. It is. I mean, we spend so much time on these podcasts talking about, well, what stories could we tell in what era? And a lot of yeah. us uh, and, and so many fans like old Republic, old Republic. And this felt like just a tease. Yeah. Of like, hey, just to remind you guys, I know you, maybe you don't think about it that yeah. much, but it is canon that a bunch of Boba Fett's and a bunch of Jedi <laughs> fought. <laughs> Would you maybe like to hear about a story about that sometime? Like, <laughs> yes, please. Would you like to hear about it? Here's a story. Here it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great. That was a great part of the episode. And then uh, um, the, just the stuff with Sabine, Sabine training, um, how Kanan was training her, Kanan doubting the training. Great moment with Hera, kind of basically saying, "Are you are you treating her different because she's a girl?" Ooh. They hide it under, I think that it's disguised under the Force user, non Force user. Mm-hmm. But he was like, "You're not going, you're not training like you did Ezra. What's that about?" Um, that was good. And then, uh, just like you mentioned, it, the only thing I, I think we could get in depth uh, here is Kanan kind of explaining how Force and lightsabers and using lightsabers with the Force work. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like it was a a, a purposeful opening of uh, Pandora's at least discussion box, mm-hmm. Pandora's inbox, mm-hmm. uh, because yeah, it, he he touched on uh, non Force users' relationship with the Force. I think mm-hmm. something that's really been opened up with Chirrut Emway yeah. uh, that the Force is like Yoda and so many other uh, characters have described. It is inside all of us, and we can't necessarily use it. Characters mm-hmm. can't necessarily use it to move rocks or, <laughs> or fight but but they, but actually they that is the point that it, she is kind of using it to fight yeah in that the kyber crystal is speaking to her even though she is not a force user right. speaking to the force inside her wow. it's a perfect amount of loosey goosey so we can make our own yeah determinations and opens up a lot of that kind of discussion of what it is and it's just fascinating because as a kid in the 80s i never for one second thought that Luke was using the Force on any level to control that lightsaber. Sure. Yeah, I get he put the blast shield down and he could block the little training 
orb, but, you know, it's a lightsaber. You pick it up and you fight like I do in my room with mine. <laughs> um, so I really thought with the kyber crystals coming into play and in Clone Wars and now Rogue One, and you, you heard the word kyber crystals more than any other time in the yeah. Star Wars era, that it all kind of... It's all, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a first step into a larger world, and yeah. I loved it. It's yeah. really good. Tone-wise, it's just great, too. It really yeah. reminded me of, I'm a big fan of Legend of Zelda video games, and there were mm-hmm. some music cues and some shots oh, that really great. feel like the early parts of a Zelda game mm-hmm. when Link has, there's, there's a sadness and a destiny to it, which yeah. is like a great uh, overlap of yeah. Zelda and Star Wars themes. It had some of those great moments with Sabine really kind of, Sad and reluctant, wanted to pick up the call, but didn't want to. Her emotional explanation of of her own, what I called her own personal rebellion, how yeah. the Empire used her skills and used her weapons, uh, how, how we'll find out more, um, to hurt the to hurt people and how she didn't want that. And she kind of had to maybe stand up and her, uh, that's why she's no longer part of her family or around her family. And, and it was it was to me her first steps as a rebel which led her to leaving and becoming a rebel in a way. Um, but also a little bit of Return of the King, uh, Aragorn, you know, being told, put aside the ranger and be who you're born to be. Fen Ra talks about her leading an army with the dark saber at the front. Yeah. Much like the histories of, of Mandalore before. And it was just really exposes that this character of Sabine with her colorful hair and paint and season one was like who is this little explosive expert she's got cool gear there's a greater importance to her that i think we're just starting to learn yep yeah and that that was the best part of it yeah and the little Bendu appearance. I was going to say the Bendu tease. That's exactly where my mind. It was just a Bendu. The Bendu tease. You know when I when I saw that. Um, you were the first person I thought of in my head. I was like, oh, Joseph's going to love more Bendu. Little Doctor Who Bendu. <laughs> I was. I have taken to, and my wife is totally okay with this when we're watching, yeah. pausing, and or you know, waiting to, yeah. for the commercial break and saying, this is the thing that's going to make fans explode. <laughs> oh, like, oh, I can't believe they did that. They must want us to talk about that. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because I feel like they're dabbling in, like, uh, yeah. They're trying to create a, is Sabine a little bit of a force user of mm-hmm. any kind? Mm-hmm. Because the Bendu just looks at her like, oh, aren't you curious? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. And hey, <laughs> hey, uh, uh, you know, she's Clan Ren, but that's Clan Ren and comes out of House Vizsla. So, uh, you know, yeah. if Tar Vizsla is the first Mandalorian Jedi. Luke didn't know he was a Jedi for a long time. Yeah. Yep, you know, very deep. There wasn't a ray that we know of. Maybe at twelve, he moved some blue milk, and he didn't know how he did it. <laughs> and Uncle Owen was like, "Don't you move that milk? <laughs> Your father moved some milk once. It's terrible." So it was a great episode, Jennifer. Do check it out if I you haven't out there. You know, uh, we didn't want to spend too much time on it to, to go a full review, but uh, I think it's important for we sometimes, uh, you know, criticize rebels at times with this puffer pigs and chopper the fart bots and all those kind of things to make sure to give that team full credit. Uh, bow down before them because that was a home run of an episode. And I think yeah. we're going to get some more and it might be a little bit of a little serialized arc here, which leads into our main discussion uh, about the serialization of Star Wars. Yeah. Joseph, start take start us uh, into this discussion of, of what that means and the importance of it and why sometimes that might affect uh, current storytelling in yeah. Star Wars. Cool. Yeah. I think there are two aspects of it for me in terms of like a show like Rebels. It to me, I think of doing many stories within an arc. So you get an episode like this. It's not trying to tell a complete story uh, because it's not trying to mm-hmm. tell the story of 
it, it raises a question of should Sabine try to get the Mandalorians to join the rebellion? Right. And sometimes there's episodes of Rebels where that's the story. So, mm-hmm. oh, she decides she goes to Mandalore. So this being part of a more serialized arc, we mm-hmm. have the time to explore more about her character and more mythos ideas. So right. I think there's that sort of serialization that we certainly got in Clone Wars with lots of arcs. Mm-hmm. But then I was also thinking of it really in particular with the original trilogy and mm-hmm. I think the prequels that George Lucas was so inspired by Saturday afternoon action mm. serials. Right. So cliffhangers. Uh, but not just cliffhangers, that there's so much in the original trilogy where uh, the environment mm. is against our heroes. In that there are weird creatures, there's something odd about the planet that you wouldn't expect, there's something exotic, and that the heroes are always going right from, uh, you know, fire into the frying pan, mm-hmm. and vice versa. And a lot of times it is uh, because weird, exotic, unexpected things happened for right. these ten minutes, and then we resolve it, and we go on to the next one. Right. Mm-hmm. And I felt like The Force Awakens also had that... Uh, a little bit of that air. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, you know, why things like Rathars were there. Because, like, yeah. exotic... Sudden, Crazy. unexpected. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I feel like that might be one of the sort of non-Star Wars things about Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Sometimes non-Star Wars things about Rebels, because as we're building this wonderful canon, we're getting to know every planet. We're getting to know right. every creature. We're getting to know the culture and the philosophy, which is cool. But you start to lose that random, like, every time our, our heroes land somewhere... The environment or a strange exotic creature that they don't know or understand pops up mm-hmm. and they have some zingy dialogue as they right. deal with it. In the yeah. second that that is done, another thing pops up. Mm. Mm. Uh, and I was thinking about that in, in particular with like Rogue One and e- like Edu. Like, yeah. that is a bunch of understandable motivations of politics and business and that all kind of coming together mm-hmm. and it's rainy. Right. And I feel like in the original trilogy, a scene like that would have had like. A rain monster <laughs> out of the blue. Oh, you know, sure. that motive. I mean, if you look yeah. at empires, you, right. it's the wampa it's just, yeah. moves mm. things along. Mm. Then, space slugs. And then yeah. space yeah, slugs move right. things along. And, you know. So you, what you're basically saying is, to, to me, if I'm in my uh, uh, ignorant brain, that each, <laughs> each movie has its own little serialized storylines in it, too. And that, that So do you, you, you feel that we're losing that at times? I think we are. And I don't. Yeah. I think my question to you guys mm-hmm. is whether or not that's a good thing because the Star Wars storytelling is evolving mm. or whether we don't want it to go too far away from that. I will be bold and just say I am making the statement that that is a change, yeah. that 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 threat from strange creature, strange environment, that pace of one thing to the next mm. isn't there in Rogue One. Yeah. No. I, I want it to stay the same because that was that in the end was where my adrenaline and enthusiasm for for Rogue One kind of waned and went down was as I just I got a little bored in the first two acts and and felt it was just set up as opposed to ongoing adventures um, to the the end. Yeah, I feel the third act of Rogue One is a different different movie. I love Rogue One. Make sure everyone out there listening knows <laughs> love Rogue One. I, I'm trying to get to the theater one more, one more time to see it, but I'm going to the theater one more time to see it so I can see things on the big screen again for the one last time. Yeah. Um, and if I'm looking at Empire as a good example of Hoth was its own little story, but it connected directly into this and then the pursuit of the falcon was its own little story it had a little creature that pups up in the world and yeah rogue one other than the bar gullet <laughs> didn't have a lot of that <laughs> yeah. um but had some fascinating stuff i think yeah maybe that's how, how i struggle with rebels a lot too i don't know 
I don't know. Jennifer? Um, it makes me think about the, the Odyssey, Homer's Odyssey, oh, yeah. and the, the hero's journey, and really, you know, the roots of, of Star Wars, and how, right. you're like, you know, it goes to diff- different strange worlds, and encounters different monsters, or the sirens, or whatever. Yeah. That, that is kind of crucial. That is crucial. Right. Yeah. What Star Wars is, like the, the skeleton of it. So I do wonder if our current culture of like binge watching shows, I just think about uh-huh. like, you know, mm. Netflix and how I, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that I can binge watch like the, what was the one I just did? The, the, um, a, the AE, what is it? You know, the one with the, the OA, the OA, that's yeah. it. See, I yeah. remember I just binged yeah, yeah. it. The <laughs> OA and how, if that was a week by week thing, I would not have been able to handle these little cliffhangers. Yeah. It's like, I want it now. And mm-hmm. so I do wonder if that's kind of seeped into the storytelling that we're starting to see now. We mm-hmm. want it. We want every, all our questions answered now. And if you leave us with who the heck Heck of Snoke, we're going to speculate for the, the next year. Mm-hmm, right. But that's what we like about Star Wars. Yeah. It's almost like wrestling with our own desires as, <laughs> as viewers. Yeah. I think that's a good Wars way to, desires. yeah, I think that's a good way to, to mm-hmm. talk about all of the elements of serialization is that it is that mystery. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's the mystery that's going to be answered in the next scene. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's a big character mystery between movies. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just the tip of the iceberg mystery where like, what's the Wampa's deal? Why <laughs> right. would they do that? Right. What do they normally use the carbon freezing chamber for? Mm-hmm. You know, right? What Minox? Why are people just okay with you? Know, like, <laughs> uh, yeah. And I, so I think adding back, getting back to the element of mystery, where you have more mm-hmm. questions than answers. Yes. Um, and I do not mean this. I want this to be really clear to people listening. I don't mean any of this is a criticism of Rogue One mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I actually think it is probably a really distinct choice. We want this movie to feel grounded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're only going to have so many super strange elements because this is a grounded movie about sentient characters, humans right. and aliens mm-hmm. wrestling with these very real down to earth sort of concerns. Right. A rain so monster. Yeah. You might've gone against yeah. the, the tone. <laughs> in the, yeah, in the Borgal, it is a little like, mm-hmm. well, Oh, weird. Okay. But, but that is an excellent example. I, I, Almost don't I don't really like the Borgella because it seems so out of place in that movie. But because it's all alone. But it's definitely yeah. in place in Star Wars. Yeah. Right. I think just when you really take a huge step back mm-hmm. as a fan, that the original trilogy is constructed so well in terms of a narrative, but mm-hmm. every time you have an opportunity for a character to face a challenge or an antagonist to say, I need to mm-hmm. move the protagonist from point A to point B, it is done in such a surprising and alien way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I keep talking about, like, environment or aliens, but just, like, the carbon freezing chamber. Yeah. Why would you think of that? We accept it because we were introduced to it. Almost right. all of us, regardless of your age, you were very young when you saw this. You're like, right. right, then they go to the carbon freezing chamber. But imagine sitting down and saying... We got to do something with Han, and yeah. Vader would want to contain Luke. So, what if there was a thing where you froze, froze people <laughs> in a brick, and then they hide? <laughs> That's effing bonkers, yeah. right? And I don't want to lose that. That mm-hmm. when you when you have a scene as a creator where you know I need these emotional and practical results. Yeah. Now my question is, how does that get accomplished? Mm-hmm. I want it to be weird stuff that makes us ask questions. Is this why going to the Rathars particularly? I, yeah. I just I I'm okay with them. Other than I just didn't like the design and it seemed men in blackish to me. But mm-hmm. you're, I think, more of a Rathar fan than yeah. I am. He's a Rathar lover. He's a Rathar lover. <laughs> I'm a dirty yeah. Rathar yeah. lover. Dirty Rathar lover. I am not. Um, <laughs> I understand. So I'm going to that specific moment because it definitely was a could have been a good sequence. I think just to me was the execution. Maybe just the design. Not so much the design. The design's fine. Just 
how it looked on screen. I don't know, but I, I just I just look at Tasu Leach and and Concha Club and all that stuff. And it's like I want more of that. But it, but uh, in, in hearing you talk, it it makes sense. It's a next adventure along the line. So I did like the sequence at the end of that. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, is 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 it? Um, Help me here. I, I like, think it's I, like yeah. how you do it because for me that Rathar thing is like, uh, why, why are they doing this? Like, mm. I don't need this. Mm. It really is how you tell that story to make but it. I, but I felt I missed it in Rogue One a little bit. So you're, that's yeah. what I'm saying. You're, oh. I'm coming down on your side this discussion because um, it's always a competition in life. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, then I go to the Rathars. I'm like, but I didn't like that sequence. Mm-hmm. I feel like the Rathar. Yeah, that's that is a great place to mm-hmm. to stage our battle of thought. Mm-hmm. And I think I invite all the listeners to. I, I don't have a strong like yeah. firm opinion about this. I think it's just a really interesting right, right, right. element of the original trilogy. We don't talk about as much. Yeah, and the prequel trilogy. Too. Yes. I mean, because they also come up with weird challenges. But yeah, so story-wise, you're like, okay, well, our young heroes meet Han Solo. Right. Mm-hmm. We want to have some exciting action thing. We want to show who Han is. Mm-hmm. We want to get those little elements of showing what the galaxy is like. And for me, I love the parts of the Raptor scene that is, so what is Han Solo up? Oh, he's gone back to smuggling. Do we want to show that? That's kind of sad. So what would he be smuggling? <laughs> Something really dangerous and weird. Why? Let's leave that in utter mystery why some guy named King Prana mm-hmm. wants monster balls with tentacles. <laughs> and that that's great. That's the exact mm. flavor that I'm talking about. I oh, and then they escape, yes. and then we can see the relationship yes. develop between... Through okay. this battle, we get to see the development of the relationship between Rey and Finn. We get to see Han and Chewie in action. Oh, if we injure Chewie in some way, we can get Rey in the pilot seat to make right. a connection. Oh. So it serves all of these mm-hmm. functions. Yeah. How boring would it have been if you had just been like, oh, yeah, right, I I am Han Solo. Hey, my ship's back. Great. Let's get on board. Right. Which is, and then there's the question of whether they were well designed, which just might be what held me up a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and it's not, not to your discussion, but yeah, to, to how you're, how you're, it's a world building thing. And, yeah. and the serialization comes from the world building, whereas Rogue One was dark and lived in, which is one of its strengths. Yep. Empire Strikes Back was just as lived in because Ugnaughts, these little creatures in overalls and, and, and uh, you know, whatnot, running run this little freezing thing, yeah. was just as lived in and fun and imaginative as a rain planet with no rain monster. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I definitely don't want Star Wars to lose that feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I trust the Han Solo movie will really, really have that there's oh, got to yeah. be a series of oh, yeah. serialized adventures within this movie mm-hmm. and Absolutely. I, I think that's going to be a good test to capture or recapture some of this and again i think that was some of rogue ones certainly did well at the box office certainly a great star wars film um but why it didn't hold up's not the right answer for me but the second viewing was a lot different than my first yeah and i've never had that kind of an experience of yay oh Okay. <laughs> yeah. And my that was my three viewings. Yay. Uh, all right. Um, and might have some of it might have been because I just it was it was too dark and unimaginative. Not unimaginative. That's that's insulting to the people who worked on it. But yeah. Yeah. It doesn't raise as many questions because you're with Rogue One. You're just thinking about the mission and the perspective of these grounded people and the themes. I mean, there's plenty to think about. But then, yeah. if, if there was. Again, I'm not actually pitching a rain monster, but if there had been a rain monster, you'd have those additional questions that you haven't watched Star Wars. Like, why is there a rain monster? Are, yeah. are our heroes aware that rain monsters live on yeah. Edu? Or was that also like they're trying to do this important thing and then surprise, oh, there's a rain monster. Yeah. That's just going to complicate things. Well, really. 
We're, a rain monster? We're going to name the rain monster Storm Borga. <laughs> uh, the Storm Borga creature from yeah. the Dune. Cut, yeah. f- cut on the, from the Rogue One movie. Yeah. Mm. You know, it makes me think about, like, it is, as much as I did not like the, the CGI of the Rathtar, there was kind of, like, this emotional, like, ride that you go on, which I think is what Ryan Johnson is talking about. So I'm assuming that we're going to get some of those aliens and environments, because it does. It feels like, ooh, this thrilling adventure, and our heroes are battling. Yeah. Okay, rest so easy. They, they did it. That's a great way to look at it. Eight. In hearing Ryan Johnson describe it today in that news story and reading that story, it seems in line with what you were talking about here, Joseph. And uh, um, if if he had said, oh, it's just this really dark training journey, <laughs> a training story, we'd probably be, like, raising some eyebrows. But the fact yeah. that he's like, no, it's Star Wars. It's fun. It's adventure. We're just going to have these emotional cores, and we're going to put our characters into these constant battles and struggles and obstacles. And, and again, screenwriting lesson. If you're writing a fist fight, what do the characters bring to that fist fight that describes them and forms them as characters. Yeah. It's one of the little mm-hmm. basic keys to writing. So it seems like eight, we'll, f- we'll keep in line with that, which is what I would want. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I'm Absolutely. excited. I'm hmm. really excited. Yeah. So the final question, Joseph, yes. is, is should, do you want to ask it here? Because oh, sure, I see it sure. on your note. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys, oh. if you had to face any strange monster from Star Wars... Which monster would you want to face? Oh, gee. One that exists, right? Okay. Yeah, and a pre-existing one. Not the rain monster. Not the storm borga? <laughs> Not the storm borga. <laughs> um, and Ewoks don't count as monsters, right, no. Jennifer? No, I know what I would <laughs> we fight. We got a veto well, from Jennifer yeah. on Ewok monsters. What would you fight? I don't know why this immediately came to my head. Of course, a Rancor. Yeah. Why? Yeah. You, well, why you're, would I do that? Return of the Jedi thing is actually a part of your DNA. It is. Yes. It has formed my DNA. I'm and sur- I, uh, yeah, I think of Roxy the Rancor that I saw at Star Wars Celebration. She was <laughs> terrifying to see in person. Right, right. But I like the idea of, you know, the David and Goliath thing. I'm oh, yeah. I'm David in the scenario. And mm-hmm. I would figure out a way to, you know, bite the ankles or do whatever mm-hmm. I needed to do to knock over the Rancor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I think I, could, I think I could win. You think you... <laughs> I love the Jennifer. Said that so confidently. I think I could win. Of course. I think I could win. <laughs> Joseph? Uh, you know, it's just because it's on my mind, I'm going to go Borgullet. Because <gasps> oh, in yeah. a way, it feels like really vicious therapy. Like, oh, <laughs> a monster's going to confirm if my thoughts are reality? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it sounds very painful and disturbing. Oh, yeah. But I can't afford therapy. So I, that, I mean, get a monster <laughs> to go like, yeah, yeah, wrap some tentacles around your head. I know it hurt a lot, but... Your thoughts are valid. They're real. Mm. The things you're saying out loud are true. (laughs) I like that. I like that a lot. I think uh, Rancor was high on my list because I had such a fear of the Rancor as a child that I'd like to face those fears. The Sarlacc, I just don't think... I just think it's a, unless you're Boba Fett, it's a lost cause. Yeah, you you there. slip and fall. Like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna chop the tentacles off and then just yeah. leave it in the desert. Um, I think that the creature I'd like to fight, and I'd, I'd get in a starfighter and I'd fight one of those space whales, and oh, I would yeah. take it out of my life for good. <laughs> <laughs> it could be one of just the regular ones, and I sure, you know oh, what? No. I'm sure space whales are great people. Um, <laughs> just floating through space doing their thing, but the I'm fighting one of the ones that's a, a cyborg spaceship for Doctor Kylo or Silo, whatever his name is right. from the Vader comics. Yeah. I'm going to take him on. I'm going to take that thing down and I'm gonna destroy those space whales. Oh, uh, I think God. that is a great answer, and 
points pictures of all of us, exactly. who we are, who we are, as people. Uh, yeah, well, thanks, uh, thanks, listeners, for joining us on that conversation. We'd love to hear uh, what you think about it. It's kind of a, a big, weird topic, and I'm sure we'll yeah. come back to it. I think you should. I think I think it's uh, we, we can bring some other story experts too, and uh, and uh, uh, it's it's with so much Star Wars out and so much storytelling uh, going on in the Star Wars universe. There's going to be things, uh, different approaches they're going to take, and things are going to stick to, and it's and it's definitely an interesting discussion about the serialization of Star Wars. As we close, we're going to take a couple audience questions, as we like to do. I uh, also want to thank you all who participated in the uh, episode 46 of Force Center with Mike Black, which was all fan questions. We'll definitely do that from time to time. You guys send us some great ones. You can reach out to us on Facebook and on Twitter. We'll talk more about that at the end of the show. Joseph, we got some good ones again. Yeah, we do. Uh, keeping on our Rebels theme, this is from Timothy Hopkins on Facebook. He asked, just wondering what you think the chances of Ezra being Benicio Del Toro's character in episode 8 are. Hmm. I don't think we've ever... That, mm. that came around a lot, I think, when Benicio Del Toro was first cast. Yeah. But I don't think we've ever really talked about it. Uh, and with all of the more questions about Ezra, mm-hmm. that'd be interesting to tackle now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, because of the whole Saw thing, it might be a little bit too convenient for them Ooh. to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If we hadn't seen Saw in Rogue One, I would say, yeah, sure, it's a possibility. Mm. Maybe not so much now. I don't know. I don't think so. I think there might have been a time where that seemed cool. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, some facial structure similarities to Del Toro and the design of Ezra. Yeah. Um, I just don't see it happening. I think there's a better chance at Ezra Snoke than I think <laughs> Del Toro. Also, because we haven't heard much about Del Toro. Yeah. And yeah. I've always assumed, to me, I want him to be that big baddie, the guy who fights Kylo for Snoke uh, and helps in his training. But some of the early descriptions of the character are not that. Yeah. Um, almost smaller than I'd want them to be. Hmm. So I think um, I, I, I'm going to say no. Yeah. I think that the, it is understandable to be wondering if we might see more characters from Rebels since mm-hmm. we got so much more Rebels in Rogue One than we right. thought. But I think that we will get them, like like you were saying, Ken, in the Han Solo movie. Or I think they're going to just keep this new trilogy a little bit of its own thing. Yeah. With yeah. only small nods to the other existing canon. Right. It makes more sense for Rogue One to have connections to Rebels. It's in the time period. Huh? Yeah. Han Solo, all those times. Yeah. yeah. Um, th- but I tell you what, it's a big question of what happens to Ezra. I got a new theory that uh, maybe yeah. other people have floated okay. around or a new possibility that I just never thought of yeah. is that he could go to a weird Mortis place. Mm. That comes up in Clone Wars. Yeah. Like because the father wants Anakin to stay. And if right. Ezra is an Anakin-like figure torn between the light side and the dark, maybe they could just throw him in good old Mortis. <laughs> <laughs> Morgus, Mortis Purgatory. <laughs> yeah. Great question, Timothy. Yeah. Uh, and then Josh Eddy asked a really fun one. Uh, he posted this on our Facebook page as well and described one of his own dreams about Star Wars, saying, The strangest one happened to me a week ago. It was a combination of episode 8 and 9. The ultimate reveal of the plot was that the whole thing was Vader reading the Star Wars story to Luke as a kid, like those Vader and Son books. <laughs> oh, I read so, every day. <laughs> it's a very, very fun dream. You read those to your... To my daughter. Nice. She has all of them. <laughs> uh, so then Josh asks, what has been your experience with Star Wars invading your dreamscape? Do you guys have Star Wars dreams? I don't. I, don't. I want them now. <laughs> Me too. Based on what Josh is experiencing. <laughs> wow. And that is how the rebellion fell. Now go to bed, young Luke. Um, hmm. As a kid, though, I definitely had daydreams. I always yeah. talk about episode seven in my mind. Uh, I had some plot points, and I'd sit there and daydream about it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing. I've never dreamed about being in a Star Wars adventure, he said solemnly and 
regretfully. <laughs> do you have <laughs> dreams about, I mean, it's so much of your actual day job mm-hmm. at Collider. Do you mm-hmm. have dreams about the actual real life world of Star Wars of like meeting people or interacting with Harrison Ford or anything like that? Um, I know. I'm such a bad dreamer. Okay. <laughs> I know everyone dreams, but I don't remember my dreams much. Okay. And I'm one of those. I have friends who wake up and text me like, oh, this is what I did. I had one friend uh, text me and she was married to Harrison Ford with six children, wow. um, which is why she was upset that he was cheating on her with Carrie Fisher. Um, so I don't have that stuff. Okay. I want them. Josh, yeah. help me. Help me find how to get my Star Wars dreams. How about you, Jennifer? Do you yeah. have Star Wars dreams? I think when I was a kid, I had dreams about Mark Hamill. I do. Oh, I nice. do. Yeah, yeah. that. But uh, I had a lot of daydreams as a child of wanting to, you know, sure. reach something like the remote and just, <laughs> just sitting there <laughs> pretending. But now I have, I have dreams about, like, being a, 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 a server. <laughs> and I've forgotten to go to a table and it's mm-hmm. a high-pressure t- uh, situation. Those are my dreams now. Yeah. Like, stress dreams. sad, yeah. I, ha- I have what's called radio dreams, which are actual, like, kind of documented things from people who work in the radio industry. My roommate, who was a, a, actually a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame DJ in Cleveland, wow. uh, my my old radio partner, I've, I've talked about it with other DJs, where consistently through my life, since I left the radio world in 1998, have bad, nightmarish dreams about being on the radio and not being prepared or a song running out. And I thought, yeah. that's weird and specific. And then I told my friend, he's like, oh, I've had those my entire life. And I looked it up, and there's like a lot of like DJs like, oh, yeah, radio dreams. <laughs> so I have those, Josh, not Star Wars dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph, have you uh, been dreaming? Yeah, I, I'm sure I had dreams as a kid that were more in-universe. But I dream a lot now uh, about meeting various people. And mm. I think I've been thinking about meeting George Lucas after reading The Prince's Diarist and thinking oh, about, yeah. like, this is this can't be a great interaction because he's not, he doesn't, I've talked to other people. I'm friends with Peter Sagal, who uh, is the host of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And he tells me about a dinner he was at with George Lucas. And he's like, I know George Lucas is not going to want to meet me. But I don't care. <laughs> I'm meeting George Lucas, and he tells a very funny story. I'm sure he's told it publicly yeah. somewhere about just like, sorry, George, I'm going to come over here, and I'm going to tell you that I like stars, and you shape my child, and you're going to take a photo with me, and you're going to like it. And George's like, oh, rah, rah, rah. The, um, like I, so I know that's who he's going to be. Yeah. So it's been like, have I ever met him? You know, I know it's, I got to prepare myself for the awkwardness of the interaction. So I, I had a dream about meeting George Lucas, oh. and he gave me a lightsaber, and I was like, what? what? They're real? And he's like, oh, yeah, you can, uh, you can do a lot of things with them. You got, you got a bottle of whiskey over there. You can turn on your lightsaber and just uh, cut it open. <laughs> and it was just a very weird dream of like, it's kind of cool, George Lucas, that you're telling me that's what lightsabers are for to open. Are you telling me I have a problem, George Lucas? Is that what this goes deep? This goes yeah, deep. so I have weird dreams like that that can yeah. play real life people with the fantasy of the thing. That's great, though, because dreams are a way to like supposedly work out your problems. Yeah. You're preparing yourself and you will meet George Lucas. Yeah. I believe it now. Or yeah. try to cut open a, a bottle of whiskey <laughs> with a laser of some kind. One, One of the, the two. The only, um, <laughs> you know, uh, Mark Riley's met, he has met George. Wow. Uh, gone up to Lucasfilm to perform Star Wars in 30 Minutes at the time, which oh, is right, the right, show right. they were doing. And they, they were requested by Lucasfilm to perform it for George. And, <gasps> and he tells the story of the entire cast and kind of a uh, you know, semicircle. George walks up and just looks at them all and is like, that, that, was, that was great. And just like <laughs> didn't say anything. And they all, they all sat there and Mark describes it. I wish Mark was here to tell the story. He just has this moment where like your friend's saying, he's like, 
Yep, it's George. Hi, big fan, George. We're going to change my life. And I'm just kind of like, we're going to do this. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say the things, yeah. whether you, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, one more question. Right. Uh, we wanted a, a fun one. So uh, Cookbook500, at Cookbook500 on Twitter, asks, what do the switches on Darth Vader's chest do? <laughs> now, this is bit, there's right. many jokes. I want to feel like there's probably some canon out there at there this point. There is, definitely. And I'll tell you what, I don't know it. Yeah. Oh. I don't know it. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what I. I don't know. Sorry, everyone. But uh, my favorite version is the Triumph <laughs> the Insult comic dog version. Oh, I don't yes. remember that. Which one. one of these buttons calls your mother to pick you up? <laughs> oh, <that's right. laughs> it's the only canon I accept on that. <laughs> it is such a great. It's it's not a joke that you can beat. No, no, it's it, so it is so funny. One of my favorite. Video pieces of comedy out there. Yeah, it is at the premiere. Uh, I think uh, not the premiere. Clones. Attack of the Clones. Yeah, yeah. Yes. A fans waiting in line for Attack of the Clones. Yes, you know it's uh, it veers on the not gentle and loving mockery uh, of Star Wars fans, but it but serves to remind us of maybe to police our own. Yeah, just to, re- to remember what it is that we love. <laughs> now we can love it. We can go deep, and then we have to take a step back and go. Yep, that's a big man who has you know some nineteen seventies tech on his chest yeah. because yeah. he has some light up Legos on his chest that do something. 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 Yeah. Do you have, have you ever had a thought or an opinion on what, uh, what his chest does? Yeah. Well, right now I was thinking of that show star Wars detours, which mm-hmm. never came to life, but I could see them doing something where, you know, it's like kind of a robot chicken style of humor. Mm-hmm. He s- flips a switch and it's like, his voice goes really high. Like he's <laughs> inhaled helium. He has all these party tricks. With his uh, chest. I have to imagine at some point they were trying out voices, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, before, <laughs> I mean, obviously auditions. the first time he speaks is, no, but was it was Palpatine and, and his team before, like, let's let's give this a go. Like, what, let's try this voice. Yeah, let's try this voice. voice. What's the voice yeah. I want to come out of? I love of? that. I want yeah. to see that. Absolutely. That would be a jerky uh, thing. Yeah. I, I don't know the actual too. answer. I want to look it up now, cookbook. So thanks for the question. I'm sure there's some controls, uh, some life support type things, but it's always yeah. weird. Much like the shield for. Uh, Palpatine's ship being on the uh, uh, or Grievous's ship being on the outside in Revenge of the Sith. Oh yeah, where where Anakin can, can shoot the shield <laughs> from the outside and turn it <laughs> off. Um, I wouldn't wa- I wouldn't think that there's controls on the outside, but could yeah, be something that some yeah air conditioning can just walk yeah. over and say ah oh, that's the breathing button. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't want that. Yeah. I think some environmental controls, some yeah. AC, some heater <laughs> on Hoth. He can like turn the heater up. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Uh, prepare my Bakta tank. <laughs> coming home to Mustafar. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> great question. Great. Uh, cookbook 500. Guys, you can uh, uh, reach out to us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Use the hashtag Force Center. And on our Facebook page, continue to support us there if you already are. But if you if you haven't, go over, like the Facebook page. We're trying to get uh, to 1,000 likes. It's like school all over again, like we keep saying. <laughs> and on Twitter, at Force Center Pod, like I said, follow us there. We're trying to get up to 1,500. We are, we are very, very, very close. Mm-hmm. Those are important milestones. And on on uh, uh, iTunes, rate and review. We made a big push a while ago, and you guys helped us. So if you're newer, newer to the show, we have seen some new listeners come in, and you haven't already, subscribe to us on iTunes, and, and, and a rate and review will uh, 
make our parents proud of what we're finally <laughs> doing. Um, but uh, that is that. Uh, we've got uh, a lot of shows here on the Force Center podcast feed, Databank Brawl, Star Wars Rank, Spotlight Star Wars, Jedi Beat, Star Wars Counseling, a lot more to come in 2017. We thank you all for joining the journey. Joseph, as always, it's great to talk Star Wars and go deep with you and try to keep up with you in the deep end <laughs> of Star Wars uh, storytelling. Yeah, maybe I think too much. I think I think too much. I know. I'll talk to my board gullet about it. Talk to him. <laughs> uh, so for the plug-in times real quick here at the end of the show, you guys can follow me on social media is at Joseph Scrimshaw. I do a lot of different shows. You can find out about my, sh- about my shows on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. In particular, if you're in the Los Angeles area, I'm doing a live version of my podcast, Obsessed, that's going to be all about Rogue One. That's on Friday, February 10th, so please check that out. Mm. Jennifer? You can find me on all the social media sites at Jennifer Landa. In the words of Carrie Fisher, uh, I have been surthriving recently. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to survive with a toddler. Uh, But I do have my Jedi Beat, which is coming this week. So uh, keep your ears and eyes out for that one. Absolutely. It's always worth the wait, though, because it is our fully supported and never going away NPR of Star Wars here (laughs) on Force Center. Uh, You can follow me at Cat and Appsuck for all the adventures in Appsuck Files podcast feed is back up and running as well guys it has been fun talking star wars a longer episode because we just wanted to so (laughs) until next time be careful of that boar gullet and protect your thoughts Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 